0: Sweet peace, the gift of the Spirit Gives rest in the eye of the storm Though night winds may rage all around me His comfort and love keep me warm Peace divine that the made mine by the Spirit's hand, peace that no one can understand, sweet peace, the gift of God's love, this peace defies all man's reason, its boundaries exceed time and space, God promises peace to His children Who trust His unmerited grace Peace divine that the Father planned Peace made mine by the Spirit's hand Peace that no one can understand Sweet peace, the gift of God's love. Peace, peace, wonderful peace, coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever. In fathomless billows of love. Peace that no one can understand. Sweet peace, the gift of God's love.
1: Boys and girls ages four years old through the fourth grade. Here goes mass exodus. Watch this. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you know who I'm talking about, don't say it, please. We had a missionary many, many, many years ago that believed it was God's will for every family to have a baby every year. And they came to our church on furlough and they went around Fellowship Hall afterwards, telling everybody if they didn't have any children, they were living in sin. And we did not support that missionary for long, okay? But uh, we do believe that children are a gift from God, amen? And we thank the Lord for the families in our church. Thank the Lord for all of the wonderful boys and girls and children that we have in our church. And we praise the Lord for what they do here as they. i tell you, they, they, they cheer my spirits when I walk in on Sunday morning. I mean, I try to be careful when I come in the carport, don't kill a kid. I mean, don't kill a child. I mean, they're so excited about coming to church, they don't care who's driving what, they don't care how fast or something. I mean, it's just like, get in there and meet my friends, okay? That's a wonderful thing, I just don't want to have one less child because I wasn't thinking. All right, Todd, take your Bibles, please, if you will, and turn to the book of uh, Romans. It'll be our first verse this morning, please, Romans chapter 5. I have mentioned this before, but I tend, I tend to keep singing or keep humming, whatever is the last song I heard, I either sing it out loud, if I don't know the words, I hum it out loud, if I don't hum it or sing it out loud, I hum it to myself. And I mean, it just, it goes on until I hear another song, then I start all over again. By the way, that is why, one reason, it's not the only reason, that is one reason that I have to be very careful what I listen to. I really have to be careful what I listen to because I tend to hum or sing that song until another one comes to my mind. That's the only thing I don't like about working out at the fitness center. Uh, when I'm in a the, in the locker room changing clothes, they have their music on. It's not as bad as it could be, but it's not what I like. And if I'm not careful, when I walk out, you know, starting my way home, I'm still humming the last song I heard, and sometimes that's not good, okay? Uh, so I just... But what I'm saying, that, I say that because when, when wife, my wife and I started working on our duet early this week, and I found myself thinking about the the message of the song, the tune of the song, and I was just humming or singing that song, you know, all the time. And the more I thought about the words, I thought, you know, I should preach on that after, right after we sing. I should preach on that. You may have not caught this. We should have said it all right. But all the songs we sang this morning, all three songs, had something about God's peace in there, the peace of God. They had something about our peace with God that that we can have as we'll be preaching this morning. And so I thought, you know, I should preach on this. And And every time I thought that, no, don't preach on that, Just stay with your Ephesians 6. You'll never get through Ephesians 6 before you retire if you don't keep on going. You've got to keep on going. So I go back to the office. I start working on Ephesians 6 again. And that happened like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And I knew the reason that my answer was no. It wasn't just Ephesians in finishing the book, it was the fact that I preached on the peace of God twice since I've been pastor. Well, that's like 32 years. That's not too many times. But I've preached specific messages on the peace of God and having peace with God. I thought, you know, you don't want to preach a message you've already preached before, you know. And people have already heard that. And on Friday morning, I thought, that's a terrible thought. That's not fair. Because as I was thinking of so many people in our church, I'm thinking, you know, there's a lot of people that have never heard any message I've preached on, on peace. They surely didn't hear the last one because that was several years ago. And I'm thinking, I didn't hear the first one for sure. And I'm thinking, so, th- you know, this is really not fair that I'm not going to preach on peace because people have heard it before. There's a lot of people in our church that have never heard any message I've ever preached on peace. And so I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to Ephesians. We'll go there tonight. I'm going to preach a message on peace, a message on peace. There are, the word peace is found so many times in the Bible, but there are 400 and what, I think I wrote it down, 429 times. You have the word peace in the Bible in over 400 verses. So I decided I would not go to my concordance and start looking at all those verses. We'd have a whole series on peace. I would just think of the verses that come to my mind and think of the main things that we find in the Bible about peace. Because when you study the subject of peace in the Bible, there are different kinds of peace, different areas of peace. But for the most part, there's three main areas or three types of peace in the Bible. First of all, there's peace between people. The absence of conflict, the absence of war between individuals or groups or a country. Peace between people. Secondly, there is what's called peace with God. What is that all about? A person is no longer at war with God. There's no more conflict or strife or division between man and God. Peace with God. And then there's a third kind of peace that's often mentioned in the Bible. It's what I call the peace that God gives to Christians. Um, It's the peace that God himself is and enjoys. God always has this peace. and And it's a peace that he wants to give to us. And I want us this morning in the time that we have to focus on these last two kinds of peace. First of all, peace with God. And then we'll look at the peace that a Christian receives from God or can receive from God. The peace peace with God. And if I had to choose one verse, of course, I would choose Romans 5.1 as the key verse. Romans 5.1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Read or quote the verse with me, please. Would you do that? Okay. Therefore... Being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, listen, folks, this is the most obviously, this is the most important kind of faith, or rather, peace there is in the Bible. There's nothing, there, there's, there's nothing more important about peace in the Bible than this verse of scripture and, and what it's all about. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, you say, why is that so important? Because this peace has everything to do with a person's eternal destiny. I mean, heaven or hell is based on this verse right here. So this is a pretty important kind of peace when we talk about having peace with God. And by the way, secondly, if you don't have peace with God, you cannot have the second kind of peace that we're going to preach about this morning. They just go together. So this is most important because this determines whether you go to heaven or hell. If you have peace with God. And if you don't have this peace, you'll never have the other kind of peace. So three questions about this particular peace, peace with God. First of all, what does peace with God mean? What does it mean? The word peace in the New Testament means literally to bind together or to set at one again. You know, I say this almost every Sunday. I don't plan this. Brother Tillman, is this going to fit in with Sunday school again today? I mean, it is, it is just right there together. What is peace? What is the meaning of peace? To bind together, to set at one again. So if you think about binding together or to set at one again, you obviously, you have an indication there that there's something called separation. There's a separation, a break in fellowship between two people. If two people have to be brought together, then there's obviously something that separates those two people. And the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no one at So, what we have basically is that everyone is born a sinner. David said, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So, we are born sinners, and then we grow up practicing sin. And then that doesn't work uh, in a relationship with a holy God. So, you have a sinful being and a holy God, and there's a huge chasm between the two. Big gap between the two. How are these two going to be brought back together, brought together? The word in our text in Sunday school was reconcile. Reconcile, we say. Well, there was a couple that was, they, they were separated and they got, they got reconciled. They came back together. Well, here's go. therefore being justified by faith. We have peace with God. We've been reconciled to God. We've been brought back to God. We're bound together with God now. We're saved. And by the way, there's not only separation There's also enmity. Would you look at the same chapter, please? And uh, look at verse 6 and following. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for thee together ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet... Next word sinners. Christ died for us. That's not all. Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were together, enemies, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Listen, unsaved people don't know this, but they are literally at war with God. They don't like God. You say, wait a minute. No, I have all kinds of friends. They don't have a problem with God. They think it's kind of like God. It's, just kind of, it's kind of neutral. I mean, they're not in love with Him, but they don't hate Him. They're not at war with Him. They don't feel like there's any strife or conflict there. No, they don't feel that. They don't think that, but that is a reality. We were enemies. We were against God. Listen, when you reject God, when you reject God's Word, you are basically anti-God. You're against God, but you don't think this way. We don't talk this way. But that's really the heart and the mind and the life of every non-believer. But he doesn't realize it. And your heart goes out to them because they don't realize. They think, no, I don't have a problem with God. I kind of respect God. I, I, you know, I kind of like God. Well, then let's talk about the God of the Bible. Let's talk about what God has done. Let's talk about who he is. Let's talk about, let's talk about being saved what it means to be saved, and how God provided for our salvation. Say, well, I don't know if I'm really interested in that now. You see, suddenly like, okay, there is a little strife here. There is a little conflict here. There is a little enmity here. There is a little war here. And the Bible says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ because when a person is saved, the war is over. The war is over. The moment you repent of your sin... The moment you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, the strife, the conflict, the battle, the war is over. And for the first time, you and God are on the same side. And you now love God. And you love the word of God. And you love to hear the promises of God. And you love to hear the commands of God because you thrive on obeying God because of all that he's done for you in providing Jesus Christ and saving you. It's a wonderful way to live, amen? It all comes because of having peace with God. Second question. Through what or whom is this peace of God made possible? Well, What does the verse say? Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God, together please, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Could we read 9, 10, and 11 again? Follow along, please. Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from what? From wrath. How? Through Him. Verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God, how? By the death of His Son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved. How? By His life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement or the at-one-ment. 2 have been brought back together. How? It's all through the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, how did He make this peace for us? <coughs> the answer is very simple. He did it by dying on the cross for our sins. It's through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ for us. That we now can be justified, saved, forgiven, have eternal life, and be be brought to a right relationship with our God. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I love John 3, 14, 15, and 16. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, and whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave, you tell me, his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says it like this. For he, God, hath made him, Jesus Christ, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. God the Son becoming sin for us so that we could be the sons of God spiritually and have our sins forgiven. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24, speaking of Jesus Christ, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree. Why? That we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. Romans 5, 1, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We're in chapter 5, verse 1. Go back one verse. You say, how far do I have to go? One verse. You say, well, that's a different chapter. Remember, these authors didn't put chapter 5 in here, okay? Look at chapter 4, verse 25, speaking of Jesus Christ, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Put this together regarding Jesus Christ, okay? Who was, in fact, let's just read verse uh, uh, 23. Now it was not written for his sake alone, Abraham's, that it was imputed to him but for us also to whom it shall be imputed righteousness if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ said upon the cross, it is finished. It's all done. It's paid in full. And now we can say, we can have peace with God. And by the way, nobody else could ever bring that peace. Nobody else could do what Jesus did. 1 Timothy 2, verse 5, speaking of Jesus Christ. For there is one God and one mediator go between God, holy God, and sinful man. And he says, the man, Jesus Christ. There's no way to have peace with God through anyone or anything else. It has to come through the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 4, 12 neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name, none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. What did Jesus say? John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. So if we are ever going to have peace with God, and we can, we must, it always will come through because of the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Third question, so how do we get it? How does a person get this peace with God? How does he obtain it? How does he receive it? Our text gives the answer. Therefore, being justified, two words please, by faith. By faith. You say, what about money? There's no money here. There's no works here. There's no joining something here. (laughs) There's no doing something else here. Therefore, being justified by faith. We have peace with God. So what does faith mean? Faith means to rely upon. Faith means to receive. Faith means to believe in. To put your trust in. To put your confidence in. To rest in. And God says, when a person will put his trust in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, God says... We, at that moment, are justified. Therefore, being justified by faith. What is justification? What does it mean to be justified? We've heard the phrase, just if I had never sinned. Just like I never sinned. Justified justification, that's really a legal term. God declares a repenting and believing sinner righteous. The very second he turns from his sin and receives Christ as his savior. God justifies us. He declares us righteous. You know what righteous means? Justify, it's to, it's to, it's to be holy. Innocent, the word means innocent, holy, just, righteous, pure. You say, how holy? As holy as Jesus Christ. As holy as God. You say, I can't comprehend that. God doesn't ask us to comprehend that. He asks us to believe that. He asks us to receive that. That the moment we accept Christ, Jesus, as God's Son and our personal Lord and Savior because who He is and what He did for us, the cross and the empty tomb, that moment, God Saves us. He forgives us. He redeems us. He adopts us into His family. He gives us eternal life. And we are just as though we had never sinned. In Sunday school today, it's the word forgives us. God forgives us. He sends all of our sins away. That's how we get this peace with God. There's no works. If we had more time and we don't, we'd go back to chapter four. Because this is what chapter four is all about. How are you saved? By faith. The first eight chapters, we're not saved by works. first eight verses, rather, in chapter 4, we're not saved by works. And then the next few verses, we're not saved by sacraments, ordinances, things in church or religion. We're not saved by those things. And then the next part of the chapter, the rest of chapter 4, we're not saved by the law, keeping the law. If we were saved by keeping the law, we'd all be damned for sure. We'd be condemned for sure. Because we, we can't keep the law. The law simply shows us that we need a Savior, that we're guilty. Guilty as charged because no man except Jesus Christ has ever lived up to God's law. Amen? So you better not depend on doing good. You see, well, I just treat my fellow man right, you know, and I, I try to be good to people and be a kind of a clean, moral person. And, you know, I, I, I go to church once in a while, and when I do, I put something in the offering plate, you know, and I, I try to teach, teach, you know, help take care of older people and give some money to my community, and I, I take care of our children, and, you know, I've changed this, and I've stopped this. It's just like, it's all about me. Listen, if it's all about me, I'm lost it's all about something I've joined or something I've given or something I've become or whatever, then there's no hope for me because by the law, no flesh can ever be justified. A couple of verses, Romans 3, verse 20. Therefore, by, therefore by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Romans three twenty-eight. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Galatians 2.16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified, period. And when you see that in the Bible, you say, "But there's no hope for me then. Yeah, there is hope. Because what we could not do, Jesus Christ did. And so God says... You want, the, you want the war to be over? You want the spiritual war over? You want all the strife, all the conflict between you and God over? Okay, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You, you can't beat that. I mean, be, like I said earlier, when you think about peace in the Bible, you've got to get Romans 5.1 because the question for you right now before we go the last part of the message is this. Do you have peace with God? There's no more important question you could ever be asked than that. If you died today, where would you go? Do you still have all of your sins on your own account or have they all been forgiven? The slate is wiped clean. They're gone. They're gone. Are you in the family of Satan or are you in the family of God? Who's your father? Are you still under the wrath of God or do you have everlasting life? These are big time questions. It all comes down to what do I believe about the person called Jesus? Who actually is he? Was he? Is he? Always will be. And what did he do when he came into this world? You say he died for me. He took my place. And the grave could not hold him because he came back to life bodily three days later and went back to his heavenly father 40 days after that and he is in heaven today and now the word of God is clear. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And I have believed upon him. I am saved. I have peace with God. I hope everyone today in church here can say, that's me, that's me. There's another kind of peace. The peace that God gives Christians there are lots of verses about this in the Bible. Which one would I choose as the main verse? I know which one I chose. And when I say, you say, well, you quote that verse a lot. Okay, well, there's visitors here that today that may have never heard this verse. So would you forgive me if I quote it again? In fact, why don't you turn to it? Go to Philippians 4. This was part of the hardest message was what's going to be my key verse for the last part of the message. Philippians chapter 4. And I think you'll see why I chose this verse. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. The word careful here means does not mean careless. It means fretful, anxious, worried, okay? Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Read verse 7 with me. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You see why I've chosen this verse? Peace of God. The peace of God. So we have peace with God. We have preached on that. Now it's time for the peace of God. The peace of God. The peace... Well, what is this peace? What is the peace of God? I like to think of it this way. It's the very peace that God himself always experiences and enjoys... John 14, 27. In fact, we're going to go there later. Let's just go there right now. Go to John 14. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, please. John 14. And if you want to have a little piece of paper, you might want to stick it here in your Bible because we're going to come back to it later. Or you got a ribbon in your Bible, put it in here, put a finger there or whatever. But John chapter 14, and look at verse 27. John 14, 27. Jesus said to his disciples, peace I leave with you. Next two words, my peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace give I unto you, not as the world giveth unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. What is the peace of God? It's the very peace that God Himself experiences, He enjoys it. Jesus said, It's my peace. In other words, it's also the peace that, if we ever get this now, it's the peace that comes from God. It's the peace of God. And it's a peace, of course, therefore, that passeth all understanding. We read that back in Philippians chapter 4, remember? And the peace of God which passeth all understanding. What does that mean? (laughs) Really, it's pretty simple. It goes beyond all human comprehension. We can experience this peace, but we never can really explain it. We know when we have it, but how do you define it? You can't define it. You can't fully explain it. Why? Because it's the peace that passeth all understanding. It excels all human comprehension to be able to fully explain or understand. It's this wonderful peace. Contrast that with the peace of God. We talked about peace with God, rather. Peace with God is salvation. Peace with God is settled. It's settled peace. It never fluctuates. Every child of God has peace with God all the time. Amen? This is, this is permanent. You say, well, I don't always feel safe. doesn't change a thing. Well, it does change some things in your life, but it doesn't change a thing about your, your relationship with God. And it doesn't change thing about your having peace with God because that, that never fluctuates. That's settled. That's done. The moment you got saved, you have peace with God. The war is over, and it'll never start up again. You're born again. We call that positional peace. Our position in Christ gives us peace. When somebody in our Sunday school class, Mr. Tillman, asked a question, and somebody in Sunday school class gave this answer. When God looks at me, he sees Jesus first. I thought, that's a good answer. That's a good statement. When God sees me, he sees his son, Jesus Christ. Now, that's, that's positional peace. That never changes. Then you have this, the peace of God. That's what I call experiential. I did not say experimental peace. Experiential peace. Or maybe you like the word practical peace. Practicing peace. And not every child of God has that all the time. Amen? Are you awake? If I said today, how many are saved? I hope you'd raise your hand. How many believe that when you got saved, you got peace with God? I hope you'd raise your hand. Then if I said, how many of you would say as a testimony from the very second I received Christ and got peace with God? I've enjoyed the peace of God nonstop ever since. Raise your hand. I can't imagine any hand going up. Because there's times where that peace kind of wavers. There's some times when it just disappears. It's gone, it's a big difference. But this peace is the peace of God and it speaks of complete rest, absolute serenity, total absence of all worry or fear. Question number two, why is this peace of God so important? Why is it so beneficial? I ask you to keep your finger in John uh, John 14, because we're gonna go back there, let's go over there again, all right. In fact, maybe it's where you were the last verse, I think, okay? Verse 27, John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, Jesus said. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Now, well, how's does he end this? Let not your heart be together, please. Troubled, keep going. Neither let it be afraid. Now listen, we can obey that or not. That's our choice. But that's the way God wants it. Jesus says to his disciples, you know what? I'm going away soon. I'm going to be crucified, but I'm going to rise again. And I'll be with you for a little while, then I'm going back to my father. And if you're not careful, you are going to be really troubled in your soul. If you're not careful, you're going to become really afraid. He said, you don't have to live like that. You don't have to be like that because I'm going to give you my peace. And when you get my peace, he said, be not troubled. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not let your heart... Be afraid. God says in our text back here, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, He says, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And listen to what He says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall, listen now, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's pretty important. Keep. I looked up the word keep in a Greek concordance comes from two words. Number 1, the first part is the first word is to be a watcher. The second part of the of it, it comes from the word advance, two words, to be a watcher and then in advance. This is a military term. It means literally to mount guard as a sentinel, to protect with a garrison, and that is supposed to speak in the Bible of absolute security. Total protection of our mind and heart. Why is that important? Because our fleshly nature likes to worry. Our special, our, our fleshly nature, our old sinful nature, it likes to fear. And Satan will do anything and everything he can to bring some anxiety, to bring some care, to bring some fear, to bring some worry into our mind and heart. And yet God comes out on the scene and says, listen, if you do what I tell you to do, you don't have to give in to your flesh in fear and worry. You don't have to give in to Satan in fear and worry because the peace that I will give you is my peace. It is beyond your human understanding, and it will keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Pretty important. What about fear and worry? I jotted down just a few things. Number one, we cause ourselves unnecessary pressure and strain when our minds are filled with worry and fear. Number two, worry and fear paralyzes us. It keeps us from doing what we're supposed to do. Amen? Number three, worry and fear are joy robbers. They take away our joy. Number four, worry and fear are sleep robbers. They can, they often do lead, therefore, to physical problems, mental problems, emotional problems because we don't get enough sleep. Why? Because we're worrying and fearing something. Next, we say things we shouldn't say when our minds are filled with fear. Remember the disciples in a storm? They think they're going to drown. They're in the will of God. They're doing what Jesus said you're supposed to do. And they go to Jesus and they say, Master, do you not care that we're perishing? That's a foolish thing to ask Jesus. He cares. In fact, the verse that I'm working on, I'm studying. I've had it memorized for many years. And I quote it oftentimes, 1 Peter 5, 7. If you know it, you can say it with me. Casting all your care upon him. See, we forget the second part of the verse. Casting all your care upon him. Why? For he careth for you. Our flesh doesn't like to remember that. Satan doesn't like us to remember that. God has forgotten us. God is not treating us right. God doesn't understand something. God's going to let me. And our mind goes wild. And and God comes on the scene here and he says, Now listen, if you will do what I tell you to do, you will have this peace from me the peace that I experience, and it will absolutely garrison your heart. You will be protected in your mind and heart. And you know, you won't say things that you would say if you were worrying and fearing. And then finally he says, I say, we make wrong decisions. When we base things on worrying and fear, we make wrong decisions. So you say, well, what's the issue here? When true peace prevails, None of these problems, they're they're gone. These five or six things I just said, they're always they're always true when anxiety or worry is fear is in charge. But when the peace of God that He wants to keep our hearts, when that comes in, it's like it's 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 fine. Everything's over. We don't make wrong decisions. We don't say wrong things. We don't lose any sleep. We don't lose our joy. We can do what we're supposed to do. This is, a, this is a big deal. This is really important. Not just peace with God, but the peace of God. So let's close with our final question. How can we get this peace? How do we enjoy it? God says we can have it. He says we should have it all the time. But we don't. So in closing, very quickly, please. Three things. I could, I could mention more. I'll stick to the main three. Three things that God says if we will do as a Christian. Somebody who already has peace with God. Now, if we want the peace of God, then he says, okay, you're going to have to do these three things. Number one, you've got to pray instead of worry. You say, where's that in the Bible? We already quoted. It was our, it's the verse I chose as our main verse here. Be careful for, next word, nothing. What, was it, what did I say the word careful means? Be anxious, be fretful, be careful for nothing. And that means literally not one thing. That's a command. Be careful for nothing, but instead of being filled with anxiety, instead of worrying, instead of fearing about anything or everything, no, be careful for nothing, but in its place in everything. See, you got no thing, now everything. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And then the promise, the peace of God, which passes all understanding. So keep your hearts and minds through Christ. How, how complicated is this? The next time you get tempted to fear something, to worry something, what would happen if you just said, God says don't do that? But don't stop there and say, God doesn't just say don't worry, don't fear. God tells me pray about it. What would happen if every time I, you, all of us, what would happen if every time we had worry or fear or anxiety just come into our mind, we just said, hey, it gives me something to pray about. And we prayed about it. God says, listen, that's the way we're supposed to live. And I experience this every day, and you probably do too. That temptation to fear, that temptation to worry, the anxiety sets in, and then if you dwell on it, it doesn't get any better, it only gets worse. So how long do we deal with this thing and let it get worse before we say, well, I think I'll pray about that. God says, no, don't worry, pray instead. Number one. Number two, it comes through staying our mind on our God. If you know your Bible, you know where we're going. Isaiah 26, verses 3 and 4. Thou wilt keep him, if you know it, you can say it with me. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. What's that all mean? What does God say? It's not that complicated. Somebody told me the other day, I just can't understand the King James Bible. It's so hard to figure out. It's not hard for me to figure out. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. How hard is that? God will keep us. Same word keep, by the way. Same word Hebrew. Same word as keep back in Philippians 4, 6, 7. To, to protect with a garrison, a guard. Thou wilt, God will, God will keep him, whoever, in perfect peace, not just peace, perfect peace. Who what? Who prays? No, that's Philippians. It goes with this. Whose mind is stayed on thee. To stay means to lean upon. It means to rest in. It means to, or to rest yourself on. So we stay our mind. We rest our thoughts on God, who, who he is his attributes, what he's like, what he has done for us, what he is doing for us, what he will do for us. As I was praying this morning, having devotions, it just hit me. And it just just came out loud. I said, God, you have been so good to me. It just just suddenly amazed me how, how wonderful God has been to me. All that God has done to me, all God has done for me in 77 years. It's just incredible. It's amazing. So why would God stop now? You ever thought about that? Why is he going to stop now? What's he done in your life? What are you thankful for? This is all of the Lord. So God says, you, you you think about that. The goodness of God. Think about all the attributes of God. Put your focus on God, who he is, his attributes, and what he's done, and what he is doing, and what he will do, the promises of the Bible. And I want to say this, I've said this many times, and we'll say it again, okay? This is not some magic formula where God says, okay, are you having a problem with mind, with your mind being on worrying and fearing and being afraid? I'll tell you what you do. You just quote Philippians 4, 6 and 7, and you keep quoting it until your fear goes away. That's not going to do it. Oh, you get that. Yeah, Pastor mentioned that verse there in, 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 uh, in Isaiah. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to memorize that verse. I'm going to quote that verse. Whenever I get fearful, whenever I get worried, whenever I get some anxiety, I'm just going to quote Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. Your anxiety will not stop. God does not say he takes away our worry and fear. He takes away our conflict, our unrest, our, our stress. He doesn't take that away when we quote the Bible. Together, please, when does he take it away? You tell me. When we do what the Bible says to do. It's not just quoting a verse. By the way, you can't do what he says to do if you don't know what the verse says. I'm not knocking scripture memory. You know I'm an advocate of scripture memory. You know that. If you know me, you know that. If you've been in our church long, you know that. But just memorizing the Bible is not the whole answer. You can't. You can't claim it. You can't quote it. You can't obey it if you don't know it. you got to know it. But it's more than just knowing the verse and quoting the verse. That's going to take care of it. I quoted, twenty. in fact, I quoted 17 verses this morning on how to get rid of fear. Answer, did you do what they said? Well, I didn't know I was supposed to do that. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee, Psalm 55, 22. I mean, there's so many verses that's like, I'll do this, but you got to do this. God does his part. What's God's part? He will keep us in perfect peace. What's our part? Quote the Bible. No, not quote the Bible. Do what the verse says. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. And let's end here. The third thing we have to do, I believe, to get the peace of God, ruling in our hearts, controlling our hearts and minds, number one, we get that through praying and not worrying. Number two, we get that through staying our minds upon the Lord. And number three, we get that by being filled, controlled with the Holy Spirit. Because we've already gone twice now to John 14. I still have my Bible open there, okay? Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That is in the context of John 14, 15, and 16 where Jesus tells his disciples, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going back to heaven, but I'm going to send thee, you tell me, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter's coming. The Holy Spirit is going to come. He's been with you, now he's going to be in you when he comes. And he is the key to a successful Christian life characterized by not being troubled and not being afraid. You don't have to be troubled. You don't have to be afraid because I'm sending the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. And when he comes, he will be in you. And so don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. And if you let him, he will help you with that. Galatians 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love Joy, joy. Next one, peace. Have you ever thought about that? That's how you get peace from God. Let the Holy Spirit control you. So while you're praying about your fear, while you're praying about that which would make you anxious, and while you are staying your mind upon the Lord, upon your God, why don't you throw in Heavenly Father, Would you please control me? I know you indwell me. But would you fill me? Would you control my mind, my thoughts, my attitude, my body, everything about me? I want to be filled with your spirit because Jesus said, the trouble, the fearing that goes. Would you bow your heads, please? It's pretty simple. Two questions today by way of invitation. Number one. Do you have peace with God this morning, right now? Are you saved? If you died today, would you go to heaven or hell? It's your choice. God has done everything to provide for your salvation. Jesus Christ did it all. It's all finished. It's done. You have to decide, Will I trust me or someone else or something else while I trust him and him alone. Have you done that? Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you saved? Secondly this morning, do you have the peace of God right now today? You have peace with God, saved. Now are you enjoying the peace of God? The peace that passes no one, you you can't comprehend it. It's from God. It's God's peace. Do you have that? If not, what's the problem? What are you anxious about? What are you fearful of? What's worrying you? God does not want us to live like that. He wants to keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, and he tells us what to do. So why don't you call upon the Lord right now? Before we close our service, we're going to ask our pianist just to play a verse of a song, whatever song she's chosen. Why don't you stand with me, please? Would you do that? Everyone stand together. And while she prays, I, I invite you, I urge you to, to talk with the Lord. We call it praying, okay? Why don't you pray to the Lord? If you're not saved today, if you're not a Christian, if you don't have peace with God right now in your heart, why don't you silently talk with the Lord?